Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, thank you for this day, God. Today we thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness, your mercy, your love in our lives. You are everlasting, never changing, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are with us always, God, our, our rock, our strength, our fortress. We just thank you, God, for your love. God, thank you for your presence here, Lord, because today we gather here in your name, Lord, and where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst, Lord. You love when we come and fellowship together and gather like this. So we just honor you this morning. We ask that as we study your word, Lord, that your word would again do as only your word can do, Lord, cut deep within our hearts and allow us to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you and in our understanding of your truth and your will for our lives, Lord. So be glorified in our midst, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> well, the last time that we gathered, I had us take a look at uh, 1 John chapter 1. And it has been impressed upon my heart to go ahead and stay within 1 John here, at least for this week as well. I know we've been studying through the book of Romans, and I've kind of jumped out of the book of Romans here into 1 John, but for uh, the past couple times I've been studying for these gatherings, uh, this is where I've been led to kind of go. So I want you to go ahead and open up your Bibles there to 1 John. It's all the way toward the back of your Bible. Um, you hit Revelation, you've gone too far. There's smaller books back there, but we're looking for 1 John, the letter of 1 John. Um, chapter 2. We took a, a look at chapter 1. The last time we gathered, we saw there was a short chapter. Um, this morning we're only going to cover 11 verses in 1 John chapter 2. But what I'd like to start out by doing though, and now that I've had you turned there, I know it's a little bit more difficult in some of your phone apps, but I'm actually going to go back into 1 John chapter 1 and uh, read right on through the 10 verses that are there, 1 John chapter 1, and then I'll go right on into 1 John chapter 2. So it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Okay, so John gives us two reasons here in verse 1 of chapter 2 for the writing of this letter. Number one, he's writing this letter to his readers, which is us here this morning, so that we may not sin. So he's telling us, too, that Jesus is the light. We are to walk in the light. That is to live out our lives in Jesus Christ, confess the fact that we are sinners and more specifically, confess our sins, right? Our actual sins. And then when we do, we are to then walk in the light. Again, to live our lives every day in the light of Christ, doing righteousness and walking in righteousness. Now, I went to great length the last time we gathered to describe the difference between walking in the light and walking in darkness. I talked a lot about the differences, and if you are interested, if you didn't hear that, you can go back and listen to those teachings on the internet, on iTunes, or SoundCloud, or aloveoutreach.com. But we, as those that profess to be believers, we are not to walk in the ways of sin any longer. We now have become, through faith in the Lord, and baptism in the Holy Spirit, we become children of the light. Now, the second reason that John gives us here in verse 1 for writing this letter is to let us know that if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he further explains this point in verse 2 and says, And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also the whole world. The word propitiation there is a word that means a substitute or to appease. Jesus appeased or was a substitute for us. He stood in our place to take the punishment that we deserved for our sins. Right? He relieved us of the guilt of our sins. He appeased that which we stood guilty of. And as verse 2 says, He didn't do this just for us, but he did it for the whole world. It's not just for one specific group of people. It's offered to the whole world salvation. Anyone can come to faith in Jesus Christ and have their sin forgiven. How did Jesus accomplish this? Well, we know he accomplished this through the shedding of his blood upon that cross, his death on that cross. Now, So this is a good place for me to break away for a a few moments here from John's letter and take you, and and I want to take a look at the topic of sin and Jesus' appeasement of the effects on our sin. So let's go ahead and mark this page and turn in your Bibles or your cell phone apps, right, to the book of Romans chapter 6, something that we've looked at Um, within recent time and within the last couple months, we've looked at Romans chapter 6. But it's important that we all read this together. So I want you to to be sure to go ahead and find it. Romans chapter 6. 
you have in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then the book of Romans right before 1 Corinthians. We're looking for Romans chapter 6. And we'll start reading in verse 1. So Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now I want you to keep in mind something that I read back there in 1 John chapter 2. That it said, if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Right? But here it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So, again, we just read, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. But we see here in the Scripture very plainly that we are not to continue willfully in sin, right? So John in 1 John is talking about uh, the kind of sin that you do not do willfully, but rather you inadvertently may fall into sin. We all sin, right? We all miss the mark. And that's what the word sin means. It means to simply miss the mark. We don't hit the bullseye every second of our lives, right? But we cannot be a people that profess faith in Jesus Christ and then still make willful choices to sin. You see, there's a big difference between willfully sinning and oops, I sinned or mistakenly sinning, right? If you choose to walk in the darkness by fellowshipping with others who, who walk in darkness or walk in the sin, you cannot say, oh, I just made a mistake. Or if you repeatedly live the same way time and time again, over and over, doing the same thing that you know to be sin, you can't claim, oops, I just made a mistake. You're willfully doing that, right? You, you put yourself in a place where sin exists and, and you fall into it or you get go into it, right? You choose to do what the, West, what the rest of the world around you is doing rather than choosing to walk in the light of Christ as is taught in the Bible and to walk in righteousness and holiness, Many people today that profess to be Christians walk in willful, repeated sin with no repentance, and they say, well, they're under grace, right? But grace does not teach us to continually walk in sin. Like Paul says there, should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not, right? So if you're choosing to walk in the light, following the word of Jesus Christ, then that's what the word of God teaches you to be doing, right? Seeking as your top priority the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you are focused on living a life of obedience to his word. You see, it's important that we stop and remind ourselves of this. This is what a Christian is. This is what a follower of Christ is, someone that wants to be like Christ, someone that wants to be obedient to his word and live in the ways of the word. And if you're doing that, and if that's your focus, and if you're aiming for the bullseye, that's your, that's your purpose in life, and then you slip up and you fall, well, you, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. But again, 
We're talking about two different kinds of sin here. One that you willfully, repeatedly, time and time and time again do. You're not even aiming for the mark. See, we all can miss the mark, but sometimes people don't even care. They're not even aiming for the mark. So we need to live the life where we're aiming for the mark, keeping ourselves in the light, walking in obedience to the Word of God, and reminding ourselves to do this as we come together like this, right? But we do not have a license to sin because verse 3 of Romans chapter 6 here continues and says, Or do you not know that as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, what does that mean? Well, it's explained to us here, starting in verse 4. Therefore, right, we were buried with him through baptism into death. So look, don't ever think that baptism isn't a crucial part of the salvation experience, your walk with Christ, because it is for sure very crucial, very crucial, right? Now, of course, we know that somebody like the criminal that was on the cross next to Jesus, he was saved because of his expression of faith in Jesus Christ, right? But he was nailed to the cross. If he hadn't been nailed to the cross and he was going to live another day, if he was going to live on, he would have been baptized for sure because that was the pattern of all of those that got saved that came to faith in Jesus Christ during that time, right? It was the pattern of his apostles. It was the pattern of everybody that came to faith that they would be baptism. So baptism is very important because it expresses to the rest of the world around us that we are dying to our old nature. We're choosing to be dead to our old self. We're choosing to be alive in in Christ and and to walk in the light of Christ. And verse 4 says, again, therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So a person that comes to Christ by placing their faith in Him, they make a choice to repent. That is to turn from a willful life of sin. And they are then baptized and they come up from the waters of the baptism and at that point they begin to walk in a newness of life, to walk differently than they used to walk to walk in obedience to the Word of God, right, and in Christ. And it becomes the pattern of their life at that point to aim for the mark, to avoid sin, right, to walk in the light. Do we miss the mark? Yes. I mean, picture shooting an arrow or a gun at a, at a bullseye. Do we always hit? No, we, we will miss the mark. But at least we're aiming, okay? We need to be aiming to walk in that way, right? So, again, that becomes the pattern of the person that comes to Christ, to avoid sin and to walk in the light, led by the Spirit. They are at that point in time not who they used to be. Old things have passed away. All things become new. That's what is symbolic in baptism, right? Remember, a tree is known by its fruit. A person that has come to Christ has repented and now walks in a completely different way than they used to. These scriptures are telling us that this person does not continue to practice sin. Verse 5, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly 
we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. So the Bible points out there's an old man and there's the new man. The old man before Christ, the new man in Christ, right? So knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So very, very clear from the scriptures here that the born-again person has had their old man crucified and the old body of sin has been done away with and they're no longer making the choices that they used to make. This is what's called being born again, right? Verse 7 says, For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So again, very, very practical verses here. This is what Jesus did. And then this is how he went on to live after he did what he did, right? And then, but look at verse 11, how it starts. It says, likewise you. Pause right there. Do you see what that's saying? Likewise, you. So in other words, you do the same. Just as Jesus did for you and me, you too need to do the same thing with this earthly life that you have. You need to live unto the Father. You die to your old self. You die to your old nature. You die to your willful sin, to your aiming at the wrong place, right? And then you live for God after that point. That's what we see taught in the scriptures. Likewise, you also, verse 11 again, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're placing our faith in Jesus. We're in Christ and we're alive to God, right? We don't keep walking in sin. We now walk in a newness of life. We've been, again, called what the Bible refers to, what Jesus referred to as being born again, being made new. Verse 12, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. Okay? So now, notice something here. Do not let it reign. Okay? Do not let it have rule. Does sin rear its ugly head? Yes, it does. Every day in all of our lives, some form of lust, some form of covetousness, some form of evil desire, some form of wrong thinking exist every day. And if we say we, we don't have that problem, we make God a liar, we're a liar. But we all have that sin. But we should not let, like verse 12 here, we should not let it reign in our mortal bodies. In other words, rule have rule over us, right? That we should do what? Obey it. So that's the difference. We, we all have sin presented to us and temptation presented to us, but do we obey it? Or do we turn from it and walk in the newness and say, no, I'm not choosing that way no more. I don't even aim at that anymore. I'm, I'm aiming to hit the mark. And I do this when I'm in Christ, when I'm walking in Christ. And do not, verse 13 says, and do not present your members as instruments 
of unrighteousness to sin. That's yielding yourself to it, right? Yielding your body to it, your mind to it, your actions to it, right? Do not present yourself, members, as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God. So you see the contrast? You have that choice. You're presenting yourself to sin, to the ways of this world, to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, your way of living, or you're presenting yourself to God. One way or the other, which one are we doing, right? Prevent, present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, it says, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So you're yielding yourself every day to walk in righteousness and to do what's right. For sin, verse 14 says, shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Paul keeps pointing that out, doesn't he? Right? Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, so this is pointing out something that, well, this is what you used to be, but if you're in Christ now, if you're professing to be a follower of Christ, you're not that any longer. It says, though you were slaves of sin, yet, what happened? It says, yet you obeyed, how? It says, from the heart, the form of doctrine which was delivered to you. You see, Sunday after Sunday when we gather, I, I present the Bible doctrine to you, the doctrine of the Scriptures. What are we supposed to do when we see it, when we read it? We're supposed to obey that which is presented to us, that which we have written down in the, ver in the Word of God here a person that has been made alive in God, alive in Christ, has, been, has obeyed from their heart the doctrine of the gospel that was delivered to them. I'm surprised at how many people profess Christianity but live just like the rest of the world. They're not making themselves slaves to righteousness. They're not seeking God. They're not aiming for the mark. They're not desiring to live in, in the love of God and in the way that he, His Word teaches us to, right? But all throughout the New Testament, there is a doctrine that we are to obediently obey, right? In other words, we are to live it out. Grace does not give anyone the right to choose sin without having eternal consequences. There is eternal consequences for willful sin, uh, again, uh, I've, I quote this verse a lot, but Titus 2, 11 and 12, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Remember, we read that back in 1 John, that everyone, it's, it's not just for us, it's for all the world. Grace is for all the world. Anyone, whosoever will, can come and believe in God. But the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, it says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. When? Now, in this present age, right? So grace doesn't allow us to continue in sin, but rather grace teaches us to deny these things and to in this present age, right? 
to live a godly life. Again, there is a a very strong false doctrine that has entered into Christianity over over the years. It is a doctrine of grace that, that teaches that you can continue in sin, willful sin, and you'll be okay. You'll still be saved just because of God's grace. But the scripture does not teach that. Yes, the scripture teaches grace, but it teaches us that grace teaches us to be righteous, right? And to live godly. Okay, verse 18 here goes on and says, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So it's a whole new story for the born again person. You've been set free. Now what do you do? You willfully practice righteousness. And let me tell you something. Again, sin presents its, its, itself to us every day. Who are, what are we going to obey? When we get up in the morning, sin wants to present itself to us right away. When you get up in the morning, if you don't yield yourself to prayer, yield yourself to God, if you don't deny yourself on that day and take up the cross, well, then your flesh will want to rule the day. Your flesh will want to rule and reign. And, and your sinful ways and your old patterns, they'll still be there. But every day, God's mercy is new. Every day, God says, you can change today. Today can be the day that you start obeying what is right. You start being a slave to righteousness. And then Paul, you know, because he's talking about all this slave talk here, right? And in verse 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. So the very same effort, what he's saying here, the very same effort that you used to put into sinning, the very same effort that you used to put into your miserable ways, right? Put that same effort into righteousness and holiness now. Begin to focus on that and doing that. Set your eyes on different things now. Verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. So in other words, when you were sinning, you were far from righteousness, right? You were on a completely different course. Verse 21, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So a very real, very clear distinction is made here between eternal life and death, between sin and righteousness. You can't have both any more than you can have your cake and eat it too, right? It's one or the other. If you walk in sin, if you walk in darkness, then you do not know the eternal life that is in Jesus Christ if you are choosing that way. We are to have put off the old man and to have put on the new man in Jesus Christ. Okay, so now as we go ahead and flip back again toward the back of your Bible to 1 John chapter 2 all the way to the back, we're going to pick it up in verse 3, 1 John chapter 2 verse 3. It says, now this we know, that we know Him. 
Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So that's pretty pretty cut and dry too, isn't it? If a person keeps the commandments of the Lord as found in the word, that person does indeed know the Lord. If they profess to know the Lord, but do not keep his commandments, then they are a liar and the truth is not in them. So again, John gives in verse 1 the two reasons for writing this letter. One is so that we don't sin, and then the other is so that we know that Jesus Christ is our advocate before the Father. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. So how can a person know that they are truly in Christ? By the keeping of his word, that's how. By, you know, do you keep his word? That is, do you care to live out in your daily lives what his word says to do? Do do our lives emulate, emulate Christ and what he did? Living unto the Father. Right? Dying to ourselves, taking up the cross, and then living as unto the Father. Verse 6, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Right? So we really are to be like Christ, aren't we? We can go back and read the Gospels. We can read the letters of those that hung around Jesus and we can find out what he was like, how he walked when he was here. Right? Then, we can, then we increase our knowledge uh, of these things and, and we are to then begin to, to walk by faith in how he walked right? and, and to live out our lives in the manner that he did. Right? Now look, folks, sin, again, I want to repeat this, it always exists around us as long as we are in this on this earth. As long I say, as long as we have skin, we will struggle with sin, right? But to be born again, right? The born again person, their relationship, the way they they live this life, it's no longer the same. The the born again person is to no longer set their minds on the things of this world, right? They, they should be ashamed of, the, the Bible says it, it's a shame to even talk about the things they do, right? We should get to that point where we're so focused on God and fixed on living for His glory and living out His love and, and walking in righteousness and holiness that we don't even want any fellowship with the darkness anymore, right? The person that has come to Christ, they don't plan to sin, okay? When, when people bring up their past behavior, you know, I know I do. When I think of my past behavior before Christ, I have a discomfort with that. You know, I, I don't like to talk about the things that I did before I knew Christ, right? But again, sin still exists for me and for you on a daily basis, but we must not yield to it. We must not yield to it. We must stay the course, right? Verse 7 goes on, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. So John's saying, I'm not telling you anything new here. All that John is saying, right, nothing has changed since 
they initially heard the word of God, since they initially repented. Everything I'm sharing from the scriptures today, I'm sure is nothing new to a lot of you, right? You know this, at least in your minds. But many people fall into a trap of getting into a rut, right? And just following along with the rest of the world. Right? And, and they become, even people that go to churches, they just become audience members, right? They call them pew potatoes, right? They just come and they sit and they listen to a pastor or a Bible teacher like me and just simply uh, hear it, and, but never, it never changes them. They never make the choice to go out and do something about it to change their lives, right? And if this is what the Bible is really saying, here, we can't be just satisfied with being audience members, right? We need to, to yield our lives to the commands of God, to give our lives wholly over to Christ, right? Verse 8 says, again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him, because the darkness is passing away and the light is already shining. So something new really is happening in the life of a born-again believer because Jesus has made all things new. The darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining, right? Are you shading your eyes from the light? Are you blocking the light? Or are you receiving the light and walking in this light that's already shining? The Lord Jesus brings something new into our hearts, a new light that comes into us and chases out the darkness. And we are no longer slaves of sin. We are now slaves of righteousness and children of the light. Then John, uh, he's going to go ahead and give us another example of a person that's in the light. Verse 9, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know that he is going, does not know, excuse me, where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So just another clear-cut way to know if a person is in Christ, they have love for each other, and their eyes are no longer blinded by darkness, right? You see, Jesus gave us a great commandment, didn't he? He said in John 13, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. By this, Jesus said, right? He said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So John here is making it clear because Jesus himself made it clear that a person that truly is a disciple of Jesus is a person of love. And this is the message that I want to leave you with today. So we're going to stop here for our Bible reading. But again, I encourage you to stay the course as a born again disciple of Jesus Christ. If you're not into the word of God, get into the word of God on your own. Use the word of God to examine your own life. You know, for me, uh, there's many ways to be in the Word of God, to hear. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Of course, I have a job where I drive around all day, so I plug my, I put it on YouTube, and there's Bible, um, audio Bible on there, and I'll listen to that, right? One way or another, you need to get into the Word of God, 
because you need to know the commandments of the Lord because we are to follow the commandments of the Lord. We are to live in that love and to live out that life, right? How are you living as it pertains to the written word of God? If you examine your life today under the light of the living word of God, do you find that you are indeed living it out? All have sinned, right? All fall short of the glory of God. We will never in this lifetime be able to say, I've arrived, I hit the mark, I hit it right the bullseye every day, all day, that's my life, right? That's not true, right? But Jesus has conquered sin on our behalf and we need to live in a manner, like I said earlier, that exemplifies a life where we are walking in the light. We're at least aiming at the mark. And we're not choosing willfully to sin, right? We should take this new light that Christ has shined in our hearts and allow for it to be seen by others around us, starting with your own family members. In far too many ways today, the body of Christ looks all too similar to the rest of the world, and that ought not be the case. Jesus said we're not to be of the world. But you know where it starts? It starts in each one of our own hearts as individuals. We must not be habitual, willful sinners. And we must not hang around the darkness and fellowship with the darkness. Right? We must instead be sure that we are living our lives out as obedient followers to the word of life, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word. Your word is profitable to us for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. God, your word speaks to the heart of the matter. It speaks to our soul deep within us, God. And I pray that none of us will allow your word that we've heard today just to be in vain in our lives, God, that we would hear it and that we would make the choice within our hearts to seek after you, to love you, to serve you, to honor you, God, in this life that we have. This life is but a vapor. It's short. No one knows the number of our days. Even as we gather here, will we see each other again on this earth? We don't know, God. But we do know that someday we will see you face to face, God. And what will we hear at that time? Will we hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or will we hear, depart from me, I never knew you? Oh God, I pray that we will walk in your light, God, that we would seek you, that we would aim for the mark, God, that we would keep our trust in you, our focus on you, Jesus. Again, Lord, thank you for your spirit who teaches us and comforts and guides and leads us through this life. Thank you for this time here again this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.